0: Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners.
1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football, welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, Matthew Collar, along with former NFL quarterback, Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, how are you?
0: I am fantastic.
1: Good morning. Good morning to you. And uh, a 24 to 9 victory for the Minnesota Vikings that uh, I wouldn't say was the highest entertainment value football game of Sunday. But if you were looking for the biggest quarterback ass whooping, uh, I think you found it with uh, Matt Stafford getting sacked 10 times yesterday. And in today's NFL, Sage, I feel like it's hard with all the quick passing offenses and West Coast influences and everything like that, screen passes, short throws. It's really hard to sack a quarterback 10 times. What was your takeaway on why the Vikings were able to dominate the Lions?
0: Well, I think there's a couple of things there. One, I agree with you. You know, if I'm calling plays and once my quarterback has already been sacked like six times, I'm. Pretty much not going to call anything like, you know, deep. It's going to be three-step. It's going to be screens. Uh, it's going to be bootleg stuff, get them out of the pocket. Uh, my game plan of dropping back at home on the ball for four or five seconds uh, is going to be thrown in the garbage by the Gatorade coolers. And so part of that, I think, is, a, is bad coordinating. Uh, obviously, Stafford has to get rid of the football uh, mm. better and, and sometimes just throw it away and live for another day. Uh, but the number one reason that happened the Vikings stopped the run. right, And that has been an issue, not a major issue this year, but I think it's been something that they haven't been as good at in the past. Uh, teams have been going, you know, uh, getting five, six yards on first down a lot, going second, four, second, five, second, three. Uh, that's hard to sack the quarterback in those situations. The Vikings, I believe it was about 2.2, 2.5 yards a carry uh, they gave up yesterday. 2.8. Uh, and, Uh, and that, that got, uh, um, that got the Lions in a lot of third and longer situations, second longer situations. Uh, and obviously then the Vikings gained the lead and then just completely dominating the end of the football game.
1: So the weird thing about this game yesterday is that it's 17 to six and the Vikings fumble the ball away. And I'm thinking, and I, and I believe I tweeted this around this time of the game. Man, this Vikings team just does not know how to put teams away. It seems like week after week, the offense will either just throw the ball and stop the clock or or let teams stay in it. Even Arizona was still in toward the end. The Jets were still in toward the end and then made mistakes and so forth. And I, At a, an 11-point game, with enough time left in the fourth quarter with Matthew Stafford as your quarterback, I was thinking, gosh, there's a chance that he could make this thing interesting, and then – one of the worst plays I think I've ever seen, Sage, a, uh, decided to flip the ball to carry on Johnson. Not a very wise choice by Matt Stafford, and then that was that. was that. But it's odd how the takeaway from the big picture can change based on one big mistake by a quarterback.
0: Well, I think this is the difference between, like, NFL football and college football. You know, generally in college, a, a team is just better than the other. They're more talented. They've got better recruits, better coaching staff. Uh, and, you know, when they have that 14-point lead, it then turns into a 28-point lead to finish off the game. The NFL doesn't really happen that way. Mm-hmm. You know, as teams do get that two-score lead, uh, they do usually play a little more conservatively, uh, take fewer chances. You really don't want to have uh, your foot uh, on the gas pedal all the way down because that's when turnovers generally happen when you're overly aggressive. We all know the value of turnovers. Uh, in the NFL, in particular, when you have the lead, you don't want to turn the ball over. So, uh, usually in the NFL, teams don't sort of break away against other good football teams. And I actually think the Lions are a pretty good football team. They're not terrible. This is not, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals or, or the current, the current Buffalo Bills. Uh, this is a, a quality football team and they've got a really good quarterback and, and it's a hard team to, uh, to, to, to pull, to pull away from.
1: What's interesting about the Lions, when we were previewing this game last week, we were talking about how this team would have the potential to just sort of give up because of their coach or not necessarily players stop playing, but more of just stop playing together or not believe in what their coach is selling. I saw a lot of that yesterday. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes by the Lions that a team of their talent level, I feel like shouldn't have made. And they if you look ro- over the roster you could make a case that this should be like a 10 and six type of team and they just they just didn't play like that not just failing to protect the quarterback but like they took penalties and a silly fumble and things like that it just was one of the most sloppy games I can remember by a Vikings opponent with that much talent
0: I think the issue is uh, you know, with the Lions is and if I could sort of put money down on a team that's probably going to Sort of fall off here the the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lions would be that team it, definitely in the NFC North. Uh, what, what, I think when they traded Golden Tate for a third round draft pick, Golden Tate's on the last year of his contract, which as you know, and he'll get a and he'll get a big uh, a contract next year by some team. What would have happened to the Detroit Lions after that? They would have got a compensatory pick. Right. They would have gotten the compensation. Possibly a third rounder is high, you know, as high as a third rounder, maybe a fourth rounder, depending on the value of that contract. So basically, they gave him up for nothing. And teams have only so many really good football players. Mm-hmm. And I really believe Golden Tate is a phenomenal football player. Actually, I think he's sort of underrated. Yeah. And they got rid of him. Maybe he was a pain in the locker room. He wasn't buying into Matt Patricia's thing because he knew he was, you know, on the way out and he was looking forward to leave Detroit, whatever it may have been. But when teams get rid of good football players, uh, really key football players, there's no way that can't have some sort of sort of mental impact on if this organization wants to win right now uh, or in the future. And and uh, you know players want to win now; their their careers are averaged low for three years. And when teams start talking about the future, they're talking about you know possibly years ahead. That you know when the player is not playing football. And that doesn't do him any good.
1: And could there be a worse player to take off of your football team before you're facing the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, this is a guy who not only had ripped the Vikings apart a couple of times, but also is the quick pass option. He's the yards after catch guy. Uh, Xavier Rhodes put him as one of the toughest guys to cover because they would throw him the ball. And then he is like a running back after he's got it it on a screen pass or a quick slant or, or something like that. And that's exactly what they needed and they didn't have. They were able to throw the ball a little down the field, sometimes to Marvin Jones, but that's his role. He's not the quick pass guy that's going to make big plays after he's got the ball. I think that that also played into it. And and I'm sure that if you're the Lions, you're sitting there going, hey, you know who would have been great is the guy you traded away for nothing.
0: You know who would have been great to throw those wide receiver screens uh, that I was talking about earlier to mm-hmm. not get the 10 sacks? Golden Tate. Yes. He would have been that guy. He <laughs> right. he, he, I mean, he yes. really is almost like a running back in the open field. He, he in some ways reminds me of like a Percy Harvin without the extreme speed, and also he has the, but he also has the availability, which Percy rarely did. So mm-hmm. He is very good after the catch. He runs like a running back. Uh, he spins. He jukes. Uh, he can sort of run over people. He's got great hands. A, a, a lot of Good wide receivers and particularly the guys like him, slot guys or guys that can play all over. They can get open versus press coverage. They can get open put in the quick game, you know, slants and quick outs versus man to man coverage. He gets separation. Uh, he's that guy. They didn't have him yesterday. And uh, that's probably one of the main reasons they had 10 sacks in such a bad offensive game.
1: Okay, let's talk about the Vikings' defense for a second here. Uh, I've got a blazing hot take for you, Sage. Um, I know you're driving, so you might have to pull over for this one. Uh, Everson Griffin makes this defense a hell of a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think he does. I mean, listen, two defensive ends is like having two good wide receivers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and this is no offense to the other defense, defensive ends, but, you know, Everson's a very good player. Uh, and if he, you know, when he's out, there's also just less depth on the team. The guy that was number two has to step up to number one and now, you know, the three up to the two and those types of things. And so, yeah, we saw it yesterday with uh, Stefan Diggs out and how that affected Adam Thielen. Uh, now we, you know, now we get to see, uh, uh, um, Everson back and Daniel Hunter is, uh, you know, sort of just, uh, uh, was, was brought to another level. I mean, he's mm-hmm. having a really good year. He did, what three and a half sacks yesterday. Yeah. And so, uh, Everson Griffin's helped this defense. He's important to this defense. Uh, I don't know if you saw that post-game interview with Stacey Dales after the game. Uh, I was sort of trying, I was sort of analyzing it just by what he said, how he was saying it, and, mm-hmm. you know, knowing he's going through some hard times. And, and, uh, uh, it was, uh, I thought it was, you might want to check that out. I thought it was a really good interview after the game. And he was so happy for his teammate, Everson Griffin. Uh, I'm sorry, Daniil Hunter. He's so happy for me. He grabbed him and Daniil came over and got him into the interview. Uh, And you could tell, you know, Everson makes his defense better. And and the the defense also, they love having Everson back.
1: Well, that's the thing is I I felt like when they were missing him that there was a heartbeat that was missing too of the defense that one of my favorite things to do is watch Everson on tape because he never stops. And that's kind of how he got hurt against Cleveland last year. They're playing, you know, they're up by two touchdowns or something at the end. And here's Everson Griffin going 110% on the last play even though it was meaningless, and it just tends to be his mentality that pushes everybody. So it isn't just the fact that he gets after the quarterback, that he draws all the attention. It's also who he is, but the the attention part is huge of it because Tom Johnson comes away with two and a half sacks and four quarterback hits yesterday, and Tom is a really good player. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows my appreciation for Tom Johnson, but he talked about after the game. Because Griffin is there, he got one-on-ones with his man and just overpowered him the whole day. And it seems like a domino effect starting with Griffin and then on down, making everyone better.
0: Well, that's the thing is when you have a really good pass, <coughs> excuse me, pass rusher uh, you know, on the quarterback's left side. All right, that just changed that changes a lot of things. Right? A lot of times teams will slide, which means they'll have the guard maybe use a hand to help with the center, but other than that, his eyes are. Are really helping out that left tackle for some sort of inside move uh, to be an inside presence. You got to put a running back over there sometimes, the chip or a tight end. Uh, and, and when that happens, all that attention goes to one person. Uh, it may shut down that spot. It's sort of like a sort of like a dam. You, know, you might you know plug water somewhere in one spot, but uh, holes are going to open up somewhere else, and and that's what happens in these situations. You know, a lot of times those running backs are going through the line of scrimmage, through the interior of the line of scrimmage, check downs over the football. Uh, And they can chip on the inside guys, the free technique and the nose tackle. When you have to chip on the defensive end, uh, that makes those inside guys all one-on-one blocks.
1: Yeah, and uh, then, of course, it makes the blitz game even more dangerous for the Vikings. And And it was already working over the last few weeks. But then we saw, it didn't look to me like Zimmer was dialing up blitzes as frequently as he has over the past few weeks. Especially against the rookie quarterbacks that they faced. But when they did, it got home. Mackenzie Alexander comes up with another sack. And it just seems like with him back, this is the defense that we expected to see. And even if though they were missing Anderson Dejo, Anthony Harris fills in, even though Xavier Rhodes is a little slowed down by an ankle injury, it doesn't seem to be a big issue. I think what we're realizing here, the success of Mike Zimmer's defense it starts with these guys and then just makes everyone behind them better too.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I think what, what you said about the blitzing, um, they didn't need to blitz as much probably because of, you know, probably the reason other, another, another advantage of having Everson back and, mm-hmm. and those types of things. But I think we should probably sort of put this in the bank uh, and think about this in the future. They played those rookie quarterbacks. Uh, and my guess is that's one of those things Zimmer will do is he'll, you know, he'll blitz a lot more versus young or rookie quarterbacks or mm-hmm. quarterbacks he thinks, you know, will get to a guy like Stafford. I mean, how many Stafford has seen one every blitz to man, mm-hmm. and he's seen everything the Vikings ever, ever have ever done, you know, ten times, right? right? So, what's the point? You know, what advantage are you getting? You're not going to get very much confusion usually uh, when you blitz Stafford. But yeah, the one yesterday that I the, 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 that blitz that I saw that got home um it was a Mackenzie Alexander, I think, got him. It was, that yep. actually that actually surprised me. I think Stafford just missed that one, mm-hmm. but it actually surprised me, or maybe an offensive lineman simply. Uh, you know, wasn't the wrong type of protection or something, but, you know, usually they don't get home versus him uh, just straight three guys. And, and uh, the Vikings got one or two home yesterday.
1: So let me switch over to the offensive side of the ball. The same way Everson Griffin impacts the defense as a domino effect. I think it's the same thing for Delvin cook, not only because he can break a 70 yard run, but also because of what he can bring in the screen game. He didn't break a big uh, run after catch in the screen game but they showed it a few times and you know that if they keep doing that from what we saw last year with jarek mckinnon and then before that when cook was in that he can break those and now that's another layer to their offense so not only are teams terrified of him being a a great running back but also what he can do in the passing game
0: listen dalvin cook uh did you see that stat the next gen stats by the way i have no idea who does that stuff but he that was that was the fastest run He, he, he i'm sorry he Reached the the fastest speed yes in the NFL in in 2018 it was like 22.07 miles per hour or something like that oh and by contract Usain Bolt uh, when when he runs the hundred runs 27 miles an hour yes imagine but not, how but not in pads not in pads but Dalvin Cook was oh. rolling yesterday yes. uh, and to think that somebody's gonna go five miles an hour fast that is incredible <laughs> he is a Porsche. That's what that guy is. He is a home run hitter. Now he's also a strong back and he likes, I think he likes to run between the tackles. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not just an edge guy. I think he likes to run sort of north and south. He doesn't have like that sort of Kareem Hunt lateral agility movement. He is a sort of straight ahead. Uh, if the hole is there, I'm going to hit it home run hitter. Uh, and my, my hope and concern, uh, is that. I know he's a Porsche, but Porsches break down fairly easily. Uh, he he needs to be more of a mix of a Porsche and a Jeep, whatever that might be, because you like to have those guys like Latavius Murray, uh, who's more of the Jeep who just rarely get hurt. They're consistent. They can take a pounding. Uh, you know, your best ability is your availability. And, and you know, hopefully Dalvin Cook is available the rest of the season. That run was uh, uh, He just hit that hole, and the safety took a half a step of a wrong angle, and, and that was the wrong decision, and he blew right past him.
1: Uh Delvin after the game was stunned to find out that he had run the fastest. He said faster than Tyree Kill and yep, faster than Tyree Kill. That is incredible. And it also tells you a little bit about the forty, doesn't it? I mean, Delvin's forty is good, but it's like a four five or something. It's not a four two. He's not a trunk candidate. Remember him? You ever play with him?
0: Yeah. I did not, but I remember the name Trunk I believe a running back from Arizona. He was uh I believe the only reason there's a state, maybe.
1: The reason I remember him is because he was 99 speed on Madden Three, so everyone wanted to play with Trunk Candidate all
0: you the time. You played a lot of video games growing up, <laughs> by the way. The video games <laughs> and Simpsons you bring up on this podcast a lot.
1: So uh, we didn't have cable when I was growing up. My parents didn't have cable, so I did three things. I watched the Simpsons that were on from six to seven on like your local Fox channel. And I played a lot of guitar and I played a lot of video games
0: because I just I didn't so have your parents. ESPN. Your parents were actually like super ahead of their time. They were cord cutters yes. before cord cutting was cool. I like it. <laughs> well, they,
1: yeah, they didn't even get the cord. They were so far ahead of their time. Uh, <laughs> but, but yes, I ended up playing a lot of uh, Madden growing up. But uh, anyway, so it, it just kind of tells you that what a guy runs in shorts in the, at the combine doesn't necessarily compare to his play speed.
0: That and they don't get the opportunity because they're not really good football players and they, they can't really use that speed. You know, I mean, you have to, you know, have an ability to, 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 to playing the game of football is much different than the whole shorts thing at the combine. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of times that combine is actually for confirming what you've already seen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and you yeah, obviously what, what Cook, what you saw in college was that he was you know, extremely dangerous, uh, back. And what you're seeing in the NFL is that when he's healthy, uh, he seems to, when he gets around that edge, a lot of times, you don't think he's going to really capture the edge and he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just sort of outruns those guys and, and he has extremely fast turnover and, and he's a, you know, very much needed playmaker. The guys are going to, the Vikings are going to have to have healthy if they're going to want to make a run here the second half of the season.
1: So, you know how uh, we have the journeyman quarterback of the week on Wednesdays and we've got our sort of little, uh, intro guy. I think we're going to need one for, Sage breaks down Kirk Cousins' interception or fumble. Like, Did you? No. Do
0: you want to break down the interception?
1: Yes, definitely. Let's
0: break down the interception. What do you think? Um, I'm guessing we talked about it yesterday. Um, and I definitely wrote about it last week in my athletic article. The, the problem with Kirk is um, other teams make mistakes more often than not. That then causes him to make another mistake. And that's what seems to happen. You know, the left tackle gets beat. So yes, Kirk, it's not his fault, but also like he shouldn't fumble the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, right. Stefan Diggs breaks off his route. Yes, but somehow that play doesn't happen to, to uh, Aaron Rodgers and it goes pick six the other way. Right. It's like bad luck seems to find him sometimes when he's trying to maybe overcompensate for someone else's miscue. Yesterday, there's pressure in his face. Uh, I believe it was on a on a on a naked bootleg. Yep. Uh Carrie Collins or not Carrie Collins, Chris Collinsworth's favorite phrase, the naked bootleg. <laughs> uh and uh he tries to make a you know, he got help. he got stopped in the pocket, he couldn't get out there on your free roll and have time to throw. He had to get rid of it. He wasn't in a ton of pressure to like get rid of it now, so he had a little bit more time. Rather than you're know, throwing the ball out of bounds or throwing the ball in the flat or or whatever, he decided to still uh, uh try to make that throw to the corner route, which is a long throw on a bootleg. And to to make that throw when you had to stop in the pocket and and, and set up a little bit because you have pressure, you can't get as much on it, you can't see everything, and you have to make a split-second decision. He made a split-second decision uh, because of the pressure. And, uh, and it cost him. It was a, it was an easy interception for the uh, Detroit Lions.
1: And and once again, you know, I'm watching Brady and Rodgers go at it last night, and there are many times where those guys just throw the ball out of bounds. Where all the time, there's, there's, the time. there's nothing there, and like, whoops, okay, something got blown up. We're just going to wing it out of bounds. Even Stafford did it a couple of times, and he's known as being fairly reckless.
0: And he's do still- not do not make a bad play worse. Right. All right. That's just. Football plays for the most part are one because of uh uh are because of execution. That's why you practice all that stuff. That's why you're throwing you know routes in the ninety degree weather in the summertime routes on air to your wide receiver, so there's perfect timing. Mm-hmm. It's all about execution. When when that that main execution breaks down, whether you know, because defensively or the O line breaks down or whatever it is, all right, two things can happen, either good or bad. And Good plays can happen, but more often not, bad plays happen. else well, so you wouldn't again work on all the execution all the time. You can't always be Michael Jordan and catch the ball in the corner and fade away right. and somehow make a miraculous three pointer. You know, and, and uh, more often than not, it doesn't go in. And so you know, again, you, you can't make a bad play worse. And Kirk has done that too many times this year. And my guess, this is what you know that those, those Washington rumblings were mm-hmm. uh, before he came to the Vikings. They're like, ah, we're sort of happy to get rid of them. He puts up great numbers, does a lot of really good things, by the way. And I'm not trying to hurt on Kate, Kirk Cousins. He's a really, I think he's a really good quarterback. But in those situations where things are starting to steamroll negatively, sometimes he does uh, compound those.
1: So yesterday didn't have Stefan Diggs and he doesn't even reach 175 yards passing. They didn't need to, to win that game. It was kind of like the same version of uh, New Orleans throwing for 120 yards. Like, well, you can't really brag about holding him to 120 yards when they were up 30 to 13 at one point. Same goes for the Vikings. You'd actually prefer Kirk Cousins not have to throw for 300 yards to win the game. Uh, but without Diggs, it was pretty clear that uh, the Lions were able to focus on Adam Thielen. And for the large part, aside from one throw into the end zone, took him away only 22 yards. What did you think of the way that the Vikings adapted their game plan to what the Lions were going to do?
0: So this is exactly, uh, on the, on the flip side, why I think Kirk Cousins is so effective. I mean, early in that ball game, you know, he completed those passes to BB on third downs right off the bat. I promise you, Cousins was thinking going to the game. They're going to do something and double team Adam Thielen. I'm going to have this BB kid who nobody knows anything about. They're mm-hmm. going to put their fourth corner on him. And I like that matchup. He's Mm -hmm. been throwing to him all year uh, as well. Obviously, he's comfortable with them. Those little guys, they can get separation. I mean, he's, he's sort of a small, you know, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, you know, type of guy. He's, he doesn't have the breakaway, you know, speed. He's not really an outside guy. He's a complete slot guy in third downs. Those slot guys are so valuable. They're getting the weakest corner, uh, on the defense and, and Cousins knew that. That's where he's, he has that sort of veteran knowledge uh, of a smart, savvy player. Understands, I'm not going to force the ball to to Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm going to take this matchup to to BB and, and he exposed that right off the bat.
1: Uh, I've got a couple of um, questions for you that are off just the Vikings, but I I think are are kind of interesting. So do you, but but before before I do that, do you have another thought on this game? I mean, it wasn't really one where we can make major big statements aside from saying they really pummeled the lions lions made more mistakes lions couldn't block them and now we go to the bye week so did you have any other takeaways that you were thinking while watching it
0: if i uh could send john d Filippo uh a text message or a voicemail or an email or whatever a a fact myspace message uh, or uh yeah if i could slide into his dm linkedin I would say run and design more screens, Mm -hmm. please. And not just the wide receiver screens where you flip it out there and the linemen are trying to get out ahead and it time's out. And when they do that very well, whether it's Thielen whether it's Diggs or whoever it might be, but run some creative running back screens, some tight end screens. I don't care if it's David Morgan in the game. You don't have to be. Uh, a, a receiving tight end to be good with tight end screens. Sometimes it's actually better to be known as more of a blocker. That defensive end ruts up, runs up in the play action. The, the Vikings love the play action. So let's take advantage of that. Let's help out this pass rush. Let's move, you know, they run a lot of uh, nakeds to to um, to move the pockets or whatever, like on second down after a run. Let's do some sprint out. Let's do some waggles. Let's do some just different stuff. Uh, but screens are huge on those things. And whether to the running back, I think Latavius Murray is. It would be a very good screen runner. Again, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think he gets. He's very savvy. He's got great feel. Uh, yeah, he may not break off a sixty yarder. He might. He breaks those off occasionally. Mm-hmm. But he knows where to be, and he's just so smart and savvy, and where to time it out with his offensive lineman, and how to uh, you know break free of the running back or, or the linebacker who might be blitzing. I think he got to run more screens. I think it'll help this pass rush slow it down. You're going to get 30 to 40 uh, uh, passes in a game. All right, you don't want to have 20 of those be straight drop back. You'd like to have seven of those straight. You got screens, you got bootlegs, you got quick game, you got a little empty quick game, um, you got all types of things. Uh, let's not let's have fewer drop back passes and more screens.
1: So I have uh, one number that proves you correct 30 million. That's how much Jarek McKinnon made off of Pat Schirmer's screens last year. 30 million dollar contract that's, that's what he got from being for averaging 8.3 yards uh, per attempt on those screen passes and i i'm entirely with you they tried a few yesterday with cook but i think it's with especially delvin back there it fits the offensive line too i mean with brian o'neill now starting at right tackle you have a guy who's extremely athletic he's great at getting out to defensive backs and pat Elfline, of course is really proficient at this i mean it really fits the identity of your offensive line to be able to do that too, which I think Pat Shermer used brilliantly last year and they haven't as much this year. You're right. It's been mostly those quick wide receiver screens. So
0: listen, we, we have aggressive offensive linemen. You know, I, we have like, uh, uh, I don't know what you were like. Uh, these, we have like grizzly bear guys. They are aggressive. <laughs> these are, these aren't patty cake guys who like to pass block. These guys, guys like to uh, come off the football. They want to run the ball. And they like to get they like to get on those screens. There's mm-hmm. nothing worse than dropping back and have some super talented athlete try to run you over, or it hurts your dang back. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is really look bad for the most part, and, and you know be the embarrassment of the the team, or the, and and the, of the of the whole fan base when you give up a sack. All right, they want to come off the ball. They want to get out there in the edge. Uh, I, I think this this line, they, these guys can move, and I think they want to be aggressive and get out on those screens too. Mm-hmm.
1: so let me uh ask you about sam bradford because uh on saturday the arizona cardinals released sam bradford it's been my take sage that sam bradford throws the best football that i've ever seen it in person i didn't see uh john elway throw it in person or uh brett Favre. I've never made it to a you never saw Favre michael Favre
0: michael vick
1: michael oh vick. boy yeah oh, okay my God. i did not see michael vick in person but my goodness amazing yes. But Sam Bradford, right up there with the greats in terms of the arm talent. And his time between 2015 and 2016 with Philadelphia and with the Minnesota Vikings, I would argue, showed the type of quarterback he could be. Nope, not Aaron Rodgers, but it, was he as good as Kirk Cousins during that time? I'd say probably, yeah. And injuries just took apart this guy's career. So when you see the jokes about, like, oh, he robbed the blind and all this stuff and the great finesse game of taking all this money. It just sort of, like, annoys me because the guy was deserving of contracts because of his talent and what he could have done, and it's not really his fault that his knee collapsed. And it's just well, it's well, sort well, of frustrating. Well, well,
0: let, me say, let me say a couple of things. One, I disagree with you. I don't think he's as good as Kirk Cousins or never really was. Uh, let's just say that, too. Uh, I don't... He had a... A, he threw a beautiful ball. Uh, he had a strong arm, but it wasn't super strong. I, it wasn't as strong as Kirk Cousins is, I don't think, uh, and Aaron Rodgers and a lot of these guys, Cam Newton. Um, but he was super accurate. He was like a seven-on-seven quarterback's dream. You know, If you're in a tournament, he might be one of the guys you have. He's a good decision-maker. Uh, he's accurate. He's just not a great athlete uh, after all these you know, surgeries and injuries. I don't know how good of an athlete he was at Oklahoma. But he was just never sort of a great athlete. He was never a playmaker. Um, he was a guy who could execute your offense, but really not do, do much more after that. All right. So to, for people that get worked up about that, like, he made so much money. He earned every dollar of that, that is supply and demand. Now, listen, if he was a bust after he was the first pick, uh, uh, and, and he sort of just sucked from there and you could say he sort of stole a lot of money, have at it. But teams knowingly, Signed him to all these extensions because he was a good player. Mm-hmm. They knew they're, what they're getting themselves into, and after he'd have up and downs the next team, another team would give him another contract. So that is supply and demand. Good for you, Sam Bradford. It, it always bothers me when it always amazes me when people hate on an athlete for maybe making more money than they were worth. Mm-hmm. But like we're cool with you know con artists making money off of selling stupid shit on TV like that's fine hey it's just capitalism they, good for them good for them right so it's like it's he had he I, i'm guessing he's done but he made a ton of money uh probably more than he deserved but who cares good for him uh he's a nice guy his teammates always liked him he got injured a lot and uh bon voyage and i hope he has a wonderful retirement and maybe somebody else signs him i have no idea about it so hopefully a, a good retirement and and i have zero ill will towards Sam Bradford, nothing but praise and admiration and probably some jealousy. Good job. <laughs> I wish I would have done that. Maybe we're all just jealous. Uh, so
1: let me make my case as far as him being a, a pretty darn good quarterback for a significant stretch uh, not the body of work, the win loss record. You know, it's, it's not that it's not very good, but that's sort of twisted by a one and nine season and then the injuries. But between his time in Philadelphia, from after, like, he kind of sort of got back into the groove of it with his knee injury. So after the first three weeks in Philadelphia, all the way to the first week in Minnesota, 27-game stretch. He had a 97.1 quarterback rating, 39 touchdowns, 15 picks, 70% completion percentage. Like, all these numbers, pretty good. I'm not saying he's one of the best oh, quarterbacks no, no. He was, in the league. He was darn good for me. a stretch.
0: You can't be sure sh- and have a 70% completion percentage over an entire NFL season. I mean, he set the record. Mm -hmm. You know, he's super accurate. The issue was, part of the reason that they were doing such high completion percentage stuff was that the offensive line was so bad that year that they went to all those wide receiver screens. Pat Shermer did a fantastic job of, of drawing those things up, designing them. So because he wasn't mobile, he couldn't, you know, make plays and move around that much uh and uh and, and so they did those things so again he was at, at at his height he was a very good quarterback uh but for the most part he was probably somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. uh overall and and his again that whole availability versus uh just ability thing uh, his availability wasn't always there and, mm-hmm. and it caused teams to have to use their backup quarterback a lot and or just basically throw a season in the garbage because their starting quarterback went down right right and uh
1: Luckily for the Vikings, that didn't happen last year uh, because of Case Keenum, but it very well could have. And after Keenum's first start, we thought it was going to. So uh, last thing for you, as we go into the bye week for the Vikings, and we'll do uh, on Wednesday like a bye week breakdown or something, but just uh, w- what is your feel on the NFC now? After we got a nice little battle between New Orleans and, and Los Angeles that was really fun to watch. You saw the Packers lose another game. They went down to New England um, last night. Washington lost their great left guard, Brandon Schreff. So that, that division looks like kind of a mess. But Carolina now looks strong, and Atlanta now looks strong. So like, do you, do you feel like you're starting to get a sense of where the Vikings stand in the NFC now?
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the Vikings are, are going to be – I mean, listen, it's early. I think they will be in the playoffs, whether they win the division or even the uh, the runners-up. Um and, and get the wild card. I think they're gonna be right there. I think there's two elite teams. There's the Saints and the Rams. You know, do you, do you think the Saints win that game if it's played at the Coliseum in Los Angeles? Uh I don't know. I'm thinking the Rams might win that one. I think those are two very even teams. Uh and that by the way, that game was a lot of fun to watch. It was. Uh two great Jared Goff is a very good player. Uh and he can and he can uh, uh he can really rip it. And throw a ball into some tight windows. I was really impressed in that football game. Uh, by the way, it goes to show how much the value of coaching is, uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL. That's a whole nother podcast, but, uh, yeah, I think those two are the elites of the, of the, of the conference. Um, and then it comes down to, I think the Vikings are in this group of Vikings and Carolina. Uh, and, uh, you know, so the other teams that are, you know, going to be in, but they're not going to be a, you know, a, a 14 or a 13 win playoff team. Uh, they're you know, probably going to get 10, maybe 11 wins, maybe only nine. Uh, but they're going to be in that mix between 9, 10 wins. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of teams that are sort of you know, the bottom four and the two elites at the top. I don't know if the Saints or the, uh, uh, or the Rams are going to lose the rest of the year. And It might be the Saints' home, home field advantage. Uh, it's going to be interesting that those two teams, because those two teams do know how important a home field advantage will be for both of them. Uh, for that for that answer championship game
1: yeah no I and it, I agree that it's just it's still up in the air with all the middle teams and I would say don't sleep on Atlanta they've won three in a row and their offense is fantastic and even if their defense isn't great they might be one of those teams this year that sort of we all forget about early on and then uh, comes charging back so all right well Sage enjoy your uh, trip and we will talk on Wednesday prepare your grades my friend We'll go through sure. uh, the Vikings' first half, sort of, of the season, and then we will uh, then next week prepare for Chicago. So we'll talk to you then.
0: Our grade's been A plus. That's all I give a shit about. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Can I swear on this thing? I don't even know if I I can think
1: swear. so. Yeah. All right. right.
0: Well, whatever. I didn't say.
1: Okay. it Doesn't matter. Um, FCC rules don't apply to podcasts. I don't think. Got so you. well, that's uh,
0: all I care deeply about. De- <laughs> is that we've got A plus. <laughs>
1: All right. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. And of course, all of you, the purple podcast live is on from six to seven on Tuesday night. And also we'll be doing an appearance at a lucky's 13 have details on Twitter that is on Thursday night. So we will talk to you all then.